Rewind is brought to you by Press Play to Continue and recorded in the great city and state of Austin, Texas, also known as the live music capital of the world. It is written, produced, and edited by none other than me, Corey Latimer. If you'd like to show your support by keeping Press Play to Continue weird, head on over to my Patreon at PressPlayToContinue slash Patreon.com. I sincerely thank you for your love, support, and kindness you have shown me. It lets me know I'm actually going down the right path in life. Thank you. Now... On to the show. What is going on, people? Greetings and howdy. Welcome back to another episode of Press Play to Continue Rewind. This is episode nine. I know. I can't believe it either. Uh, and honestly, let me just just say something just real quick. Like, I, I honestly didn't think I was going to get to this point doing episode nine because... I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. But I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to stay consistent, and that is what I'm doing. Because I feel like I would, you know, if I didn't do episode nine, and if I did episode nine, say next week, and miss a week, I don't think I would be a big fan of that by any means. And neither would I. I would. I think that would really upset me if I missed out and didn't record and just became lazy. And became, you know, my past self. And I can't do that. So, here we are. Episode 9. Press play to continue rewind. I did not mean to rhyme that. But, I want to really get into the heart of it. With going back to... uh, Obviously, this this podcast is nostalgic-based, of course, but this particular emotion, nostalgia, I am just, it really coincides so well with music with me, and in particular, 90s alternative music, and I'm going to give you my top 10, and I probably, with this episode I'm gonna do make this a part one and then I'm gonna kind of go into part two so obviously I'm gonna be splitting this my top 10 so five to five you know obviously and and I'm not doing this like in any you know quintessential order by any means this is just I think my top 10 I guess in a sense uh, my you know from my perspective is I think it, it all these songs encapsulate the the 90s so well the decade of the 90s for me anyways um as you know growing up within that decade it, it, these songs meant a lot to me and so we're going to just kind of right, get right into the meat of it here so starting out you know Mr. Jones Counting Crows right it was their first single you know the song Mr. Jones and me. <laughs> but their album, uh, August and Everything After, was released December the 1st of 93. So, yeah, of this month. Um, 
And that album, just go listen to it. It's a, it's a great album because not only does it have Mr. Jones in it, but it just it has uh, you know other great songs. If I think if I remember correctly, I think it has Round Here, uh, and they also have I can't even remember off the top of my head, but great album. Okay, definitely go listen to it. Um, Mr. Jones reached number seven in France. Number five, these are in the charts, by the way, of you know music, obviously. And in the United States, it actually, uh, you know, like I said, reached number five. And then actually in Canada, um, it reached number one. So job well done, Canada. Thank you for liking our music here in the old United of States. So the band's surprise success happened to coincide, believe it or not, this is another crazy thing. It coincided with Kurt Cobain's death. Now, Kurt Cobain is a very pro, you know, prolific um, artist, within, especially in the grunge genre, as well as alternative rock. I mean, he's a kind of a mixture in between the two, I, I would think, anyways. And, but yeah, he died. Uh, on the same time as, you know, like I said, the Counting Crows released uh, this album and, and debuted Mr. Jones on the radio stations. Um, the, actually, uh, Adam Duritz, the lead singer for Counting Crows, he has like that crazy hairdo. If you haven't seen the lead singer for Counting Crows, definitely Google that and check out his haircut. <laughs> it's It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. So definitely look at that. But it the song was about, you know, Adam Duritz, like I said, the lead singer, and then the bassist, Marty Jones, how they were struggling musicians and having to deal with and coping with the everyday, you know, bar hopping and trying to get your name out there and, you know, you know, promoting yourself in a sense. And that's what I, in turn, am trying to do in a sense with Press Play to Continue. It's tough. It really is. Actually, just I was talking about this with a good buddy of mine um, about an hour ago on the phone, uh, Matt. Um, hopefully, if you're listening to this, hello, sir. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were discussing this, and yeah, it's just um, promoting. That's a huge thing. But yeah, he, uh, like I said, they were, you know, struggling musicians just trying to cope with everyday mundane living and that's how Mitch, Mr. Jones kind of came about so I thought that was kind of cool but here just recently I'll just kind of throw this little tidbit in there real quick because I don't want to go too long on uh, Mr. Jones because this is just my first song but uh, in 2008 Adam Duritz revealed that he had been unfortunately he's been diagnosed with uh, depersonalization I don't know if you've heard of that but it's an actual disorder it's a mental illness where, you know, sufferers feel disconnected from like their own thoughts and stuff and they're like their body. It makes you think you're imagining things and, you know, obviously like there's nothing is real. Like there's no reality. Everything is kind of like a, I guess in a sense, from my perspective, any, anyways, from what I was researching, that's, yeah, nothing's, you know, real or you're just living in a dream world pretty much. So that sucks for him. So I wish him the best. Uh, moving on to my, not necessarily, like I said, this is in no quintessential order, uh, these songs I'm throwing your way, but they are within my top 10 grasp. Um, 
but One Headlight by The Wallflowers. Never heard that song? Go listen to that right now. It is a great, great jam. Um, album was on Bringing Down the Horse, released November of 96. It was actually their second single. I don't even know how their first single was that great. It's like Six on Fifth Avenue or something like that. I, I can't remember the actual song name, but wasn't that great, you know, especially compared to One Headlight. So there you go. But he's also the lead singer for One Headlight. I mean, well, sure, but The Wallflowers, rather, is Bob Dylan's. That's Bob Dylan. I mean, that's his son. Um, so that I thought that was kind of cool. But they won two Grammys for you know at the awards at the 40th annual Grammy Awards show for best rock song One Headlight and was the best rock performance by a duo or group. Um, it actually spent you know five weeks at number two on the Billboard uh, Hot 100 charts, and that was like a, a that's like that was like a huge thing too. By the way, like MTV, like Billboard's Top 100 back in the day, just constantly like tuning in and seeing like what the hot thing was. That was that was a huge thing, um, you know. Especially with the internet, wasn't really you know a very prolific thing. You know, I mean, it was, but it didn't have like its um, his its weight now, like it does now. So, you know, just the the analog days. That was a huge thing. Always tuning into the radio station, seeing what like listening to the countdown and being like you know, wondering what was going to be the number one song that week. Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of gone now. It's kind of sad. So that was definitely a, a cool thing to look forward to uh, back then. And actually, this song too, by the way, just real quickly, uh, another number one hit for Canada, this song. So thank you. Again, Canada, thank you. <laughs> and it reached up uh, to number 14 in Australia. Australians don't know what, how to eat. They don't. They don't, I guess they don't have a very good taste of music. Because this chart is definitely a good number one hit. <laughs> but uh, my next song, uh, I hopefully you've heard this too. It's kind of a mainstream song. Some of these songs are going to be mainstream, but some will be, maybe you haven't heard of them. So hopefully if you haven't, I'm sharing new music with you. So you're welcome. <laughs> but this next one, uh, like I said, it, this is in no order, but uh, this is the my third next option within my top ten. Is Marcy's Playground, Sex and Candy. Um, it's a self-titled album. Uh, Dylan Keefe was the bass uh, and the backing vocals, and Dan Reiser was the drums, and he was also backing vocals, I believe. Um, and then the lead vocals for actually uh, for... Marcy's Playground was uh, none, none other than John Wozniak. But yeah, the album was released uh, February 25th of 1997. It was also reissued, believe it or not, strangely enough, within the same year. Uh, it was actually in October, uh, October 7th of 1997. I guess due to the fact that Sex and Candy was you know, on the up and up, it was rising. It became, it was becoming very popular very quickly. So they reissued the album again. And, um, it, you know, it, it, it did very well for them. Um, so that, that, that's, that's definitely a great thing for them. Um, it was actually, there was a, it was actually a record of 15 weeks at number one 
on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart. And, you know, like I said, though, that's a, that was a huge thing. Always looking at, you know, what's going to be the next number one hit and all that kind of stuff. So that, it, then it's actually a record of 15 weeks. That's pretty wild. Uh, the song got mixed reception from music critics. So, for instance, like a, a writer, I'll give you a positive and a, and a negative um, as far as a critic is concerned on this song. So, yeah, I mean, it, I like the song personally, but they're, it definitely got criticized um, back then. So, yeah, the song got mixed reception from music critics, obviously, like I just said, and the writer for N-E or the NME, uh, the New Musical Express, terrible name. That is a terrible name for a magazine, by the way. Said, is it surprising and how enjoyable this window on Wozniak's soul, uh, obviously, like I said, the lead lead singer is, and his lazy drawl and gentle melodies coating his misery in a pop rock kind of way. The mood remains downbeat, but the angst is not imposing. But Dan Weiss, this is the negative review uh, of LA Weekly, deemed it the 12th worst album of 1990. Now, I did listen to the album, the actual whole album, the self-titled album of Marcy's Playground. Uh, Not that great. So he's kind of right. But I mean, yeah, he really took it to him right here. He also stated, and I quote um, from Dan Weiss, Aside from the singles Sex and Candy and St. Joe on the School Bus, the album is folksy and opiate-obsessed bullshit. So, yeah, that doesn't sound too good. (laughs) What an asshole, you know? Um, So, the next song, none other than the greatest, one of the greatest, I think, bands of all time, is Red Hot Chili Peppers' Scar Tissue. Now, if you've listened to Scar Tissue... That means you've had to listen to it again and again and again and again and even again because it's that great. Um, great, great song. Absolutely fantastic because it came from Californication. Probably one of their best albums they've ever released. And that was released back in May uh, the 25th of 1999. And actually... Back then, if you're unaware, uh, a lot of people may be, whoever's listening to this, but all these songs that I've listed have come on cassettes. Now, what's a cassette? Hmm. And also a CD. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they look very similar, I guess, to Blu-rays, obviously. (laughs) But no one messes with CD players anymore and cassettes and, you know, technology has tremendously progressed since the 90s which is insane to me um i've actually heard a few theories on that why we have progressed so much but that could be for a later podcast so but yeah i mean scar tissue is considered to be the representative of like the new more melodic rock sound than the band experimented with on californication you know it's quite notable for its mellow intro guitar riff sure uh, I even think it's, you know, the bass, you know, Flea, the bassist is just, he's spot on within this song. And, um, yeah, it just, for, you know, it's also obviously very well known for its slide guitar solos throughout the whole, you know, Scar Tissue 
time. <laughs> it's the guitar world placed the guitar solo actually 63rd in its list of 100 greatest guitar solos of all time. Scar Tissue actually won a Grammy Award for um, the best um, titled song that year, which is nice. I mean, that's pretty good. You, I mean, you can't go wrong with that award by any means. Um, it was definitely obvious, like I just said, it was definitely like their most successful song, spinning at then record of 16 consecutive weeks at the top uh, of the U.S. Billboard's Hot Modern Rock Track charts, as well as 10 weeks atop of the mainstream rock charts. Um, so the song, all in all, did very well. And the song also found lots of success in Iceland, believe it or not, in New Zealand, and as well as Canada, once again, and reaching the numbers of one, three, and four, respectively. So yeah, I mean, great, great song. Just, uh, I will always have a fondness towards 90s, uh, not necessarily just for music, but just anything, really. So that's why, uh, like I said, I mean, I've said it before in the past in my other episodes that why not have a podcast solely based off what like nostalgic thoughts and ideas so and finally i just kind of want to cut it off right here because like i said i want to try to do this into a part one and then as well as like a part two uh episode but i don't want to go super long tonight but i also did want to produce something for y'all uh because i'm trying to keep my promise with my audience and then within myself as well um so to, like I said, to finish it off, um, you know, you have Stone Tip of Pilots plush. C- come on, you know that uh, just like I like just I can't hammer it into the you know hammer it on the nail enough to you that the '90s was exceptionally brilliant within you know their music and their their writing and how it all came to, together so smoothly. I think um, and just it can rock your ass off and one minute and then it can just like completely like punch you right in the heart the next it's that's what's so great about the 90s it had just such an um a ubiquity uh uh, within it as far as just so many genres all together into one uh decade just made it awesome um but yeah stones and pilots plush released september 29th back in 1992 um, it was debuted on their core album, um, and the lyrics were actually loosely based on a newspaper article Scott Weiland, who's the lead vocalist for Stone Temple Pilots, had read that a, a girl who had been found dead after having been kidnapped in the early 90s. Now, that's kind of creepy. Uh, you know, actually reading that, I was like, interesting. Uh, one of my all-time favorite STP songs uh, is based off a, of a kidnapping and a unfortunate, I guess, murder. Dark? A little bit, I, I guess. But it's a good song. It's still, I guess, it's what I, I like about the song, too. It just really just gets you pumped when you go to the gym. When you when that is, like, thrown on your playlist, you yeah, you just want to do, like, you know, 10 more push-ups or, you know, you want to do 15 more pull-ups or whatever it may be. Um, great song. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Wylan had also said that the song's lyrics are a metaphor for a failed relationship. So I guess a little intertwining was involved writing this song. 
but that's another thing too just writing songs i've tried it it's 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 tough it's absolutely tough so uh whoever is a songwriter and does it very well i highly respect him like willie nelson (laughs) taylor swift i'm not a big fan of her but i know this is going off on a slight tangent now but how she carries herself but i you know i have to respect her too at the same time because she uh, she writes a lot of her music and uh that's very talented and you have to be very intelligent to do something like that i think in my mind anyways so um but unfortunately i you know just to kind of divert back into stone temple pilots because i'm trying to wrap it up here unfortunately wyland had you know died on december the 3rd of 2015 how weird is that? You want to know why it's weird? Because I said earlier, do you all remember what I was saying earlier? If you were paying attention, that you know, the Counting Crows released Mr. Jones on that date. And like I said, Kurt Cobain died, committed suicide on December the 3rd. Why, why is December 3rd, why does it have so many correlations within all this on the same date? That's... Someone needs to write a book about that. Or I could do a podcast about that. That's that's wild. Are you kidding me? And uh, yeah, he was... Uh, unfortunately, like I said, unfortunately, yeah, it sucked. Because he actually... Wyland, Scott Wyland died of an actual drug overdose. And he was constantly dealing that. I would say after their first album debuted. Um, within what I was re- doing, reading in my research. But... Yeah, he also had other bands too with Velvet Revolver. Definitely check that. Especially check the song out called Slither. Like if you're like trying to get hyped in the gym or whatever. Or whatever it may be. If you're just trying to get hyped. Listen to that song and you'll be absolutely pumped. You won't need a cup of coffee after listening to that. And sometimes I actually do that. Like when I'm in my FedEx vehicle. I'm like, oh, I could use coffee. But I really don't want to spend the money. So I'll just throw on Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> um but he's also in the um, Art of Anarchy, uh, another, I guess, uh, prominent band he was in. Not so much, not so well known as Stone Temple Pilots by any means, as well as Velvet Revolver. Like I said, Jeff, definitely check out Slither as well if you'll ever get a chance. Um, but Plush, yeah. Stone Temple Pilots, Plush, that that one drives it home for me. I uh, very much enjoy this song. But I, like I said, I, I think... Uh, the 90s are, I mean, I, I think I could go all day just listing songs off, but I, it's hard to kind of narrow down just 10 songs, you know. Um, but I think I can do it. So I've got five more to go on my next episode, which I'm actually going to try to do these uh, in correlation back to back. So look for that this next week. Um, I try to release episode 10. That'll be episode 10. Wow uh next week on friday so look for that and um i'm hoping i can keep my nose to the grindstone and you know work hard every day and hopefully produce episode 10 for you next week but i just want to appreciate i thank you thank you thank you thank you i've always said this thank you for tuning in and um uh, you know i've always said this just be kind and rewind Thank you. Rewind is a product of Press Play to Continue. The show was produced by me, Corey Latimer. 
You can find me on Instagram at Corey with an E-Y and my Snapchat C-O-R-E underscore L-A-T-I-028. As you know, all things Press Play to Continue are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash continue. I'm internally grateful for your time, love, and support. Thank you.